welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Well, uh, welcome to you all. If I haven't met you, my name is Micah. I'm the lead pastor here at Awaken, and uh, I'm going to introduce a couple of friends in just a moment, but uh, you have walked into what we call the Advent Art Series. So if you've not been around for this uh, each year during Advent, uh, on these sort of four words that are typically connected to Advent, hope, joy, love, and peace, we invite uh, an artist and a writer to come and share, to create around those themes each week. And so I'm going to invite my friends Katie Holmgren and Issa Day, who are going to come and share a little bit about the pieces that they have created. So Issa, if you would come first, and if you would welcome our friends this morning. Hi. Um, I am a little bit nervous. Uh, I haven't been here in a while. Um, We're going to have a bigger um, copy of this painting up on a screen for all of you to see. Uh, So today we are talking about joy. And to be honest, when I started um, participating in Advent Art Series a few years back, I thought this is the one word I will never do. This is The only word of all these words I am not going to paint. Uh, And here I am today, voluntarily, I actually signed up for this word. And I thought, um, I'm going to challenge myself this year. I'm going to make sure I I just go into it, deep into it, and I'm going to understand the meaning of this word. Um, Because I knew it wasn't happiness. I knew it wasn't just feeling good or happy or laughing or smiling. There was something more in a joy. So um, just, to, just so you know, each of my paintings takes me around um, two months to paint. Uh, once I know the idea, like once I know what's happening, it's about two months. Um, three weeks ago, I still didn't know what to do. Uh, joy. So Unfortunately for me, one of the easiest ways to think of joy was to think about the opposite of joy. And we've been talking a lot about grief and death and sadness. And, and I knew that joy is such a big, powerful feeling that just being sad will, will not be opposite of it. And I knew grief would be the word. So I looked at grief and I thought emptiness loneliness, this persistent feeling of darkness, no way out, no light inside, um, just being present in the most awful moment of your life, and it keeps on going. I think I'm doing a pretty good job explaining joy to you. <laughs> um, you're welcome here, yeah. So finding the moments of grief in my life felt very easy. And I had a bunch of them right away. And I mean, I've been even walking in one for months now. So now I moved towards joy. and, And I found those moments. And those were moments when you could, it wasn't just that some amazing event happened in my life and I was laughing and smiling and having a good time, there was this moment of this warm feeling. I, I think you under, like this feeling of this warmth 
and you are present in this moment of good. Everything is good. And there was nothing else mattered. There was this moment of just peace and being, this, it was happening, there was, it was joy. So I don't have time to describe each of these moments. Some of them happened here in this church. And as you see a zoomed in image of my painting in one moment, um, there was a moment in this church where, where I felt it, when we started speaking about wells and fences, and I could understand this moment of, like, this understanding of being in joy and present came. That nothing else mattered other than the well and the water in it. So, so for my painting, I know um, I wanted to show a person who is in a moment. So usually when we think of joy, we see the symptom of joy. So smiling and laughing and being happy or, you know, just the good. And I wanted to show that moment right before joy happens. So this is in my painting um, when a person who is tired, weary, lonely, um, depressed, finally finds, and if that person has been walking in the wilderness for weeks, months, days, who knows how long, and that person finally finds water and people and is feeling loved again and loves others. And I thought, this is joy. Hello, I'm Katie. Um, I'm here kind of posing as a writer this morning. Um, for me, writing has always been more my therapy and not so much something that I share with other people. So this is a challenge for me, but I think a good one. Um, and joy certainly was a challenge for me to write about this morning as well. It's the season of joy, Christmas greeting cards and holiday songs Trees, lights, and sleigh rides all usher it in. But how do I write today about joy when so sharp is my focus on my failures and doubts? When my days are filled with busyness, loneliness, exhaustion, despair. The bitterness outside calls us to bundle and cocoon to wrap ourselves in the warmth of woolen socks, down blankets, and candlelight. But the warmth that I seek is not for fingers and toes, it's for warmth for my soul. I pray, but for what? Lord, I seek joy. As much as I argue that joy is not here, as much as it's true that I feel beaten and bruised, by the weak, by the season, by the hard things I'm living. I see it in the frosty window pane as a one-of-a-kind masterpiece so temporarily on display. I watch the world blanketed in snow. Everything that was once so green and alive has fallen and rooted 
awaiting the spring. It's there in the glint of the eyes of a loved one. It's heard in the hum of a cello, in the laughter of children running by. It's tasted in the whipped cream atop a mug of cinnamon cider. Can you smell it in the balsam fir, in the hot smoke from the fireplace? Joy is in the hands we have held, the hearts we have heard, the love we have given away. Joy comes in the morning, after the night has burrowed so deeply we believed it would never come. It's all around and everywhere, sometimes flitting by without any fanfare at all, other times crashing into us and excavating our souls. Like the time joy came as that still small voice piercing through all the pain, just to say everything is going to be okay. We enter the season of hopeful expectancy that our cries have not been in vain, that what was promised to us is on its way, and that we are not alone as we wait. As we begin this Advent season, I invite you to consider the arrival of joy. Thank you, Katie and Isa, and welcome to week two of Advent, my friends. Um, hundreds, maybe even thousands of years, uh, the church has been in this rhythm uh, connected to the calendar, uh, which reminds us of sort of the major movements of redemptive history and scripture. It includes things like Epiphany, the light of God coming into the world at Christmas. It includes Lent and Holy Week and the spring of the year. It includes Pentecost and the giving of the Spirit at the church, and it ends with Christ the King Sunday, which, if you didn't know, was two weeks ago. This declaration that, in fact, Christ is the King, but it begins the church calendar, time as we've understood it as the people of faith and the people of Jesus, with Advent. Um, Advent is, again, the season of waiting, this hoping, this longing, expecting something, um, a light to come into the darkness, and it happens to be right smack dab in the middle of the darkest time of the year. I don't know if you knew this, but for those who live in the northern hemisphere and one of the better places on the planet, Minnesota, um, it's the darkest time of the year. December 21st, people, it's the winter solstice. It's coming. There will be eight hours and 53 minutes of daylight. That's it. Isn't that just sort of depressing? It is the darkest day of the year, and that is right in the middle of Advent, a story that ends in so much light and so much hope and so much excitement begins in darkness, which actually reminds me of another story, but I'm saving that one for a couple of weeks from now. Um, Advent includes the four Sundays before Christmas, and historically there are five candles that are lit, um, one for each of these words of hope and joy, peace and love, and then one for the Christ, which comes into the world at Christmas, this light in the darkness. So this morning I want to take just a few minutes that we have and explore this little word, this simple and yet profound three-letter word, joy. Last week, Jenna spoke about hope, and uh, this morning, we're going to spend some time on joy. And I want to sort of guide our time with just a few questions. And the questions are, what is joy? Uh, what brings you joy? Where does joy actually come from? And then, why do we need it? Is, do we need it? 
Um, so if you can, I'm going to invite you to stand, and I'm going to read from the prophet Isaiah, uh, select words or select passages from Isaiah 35, and this is from the message, so uh, if you're following along, I'm sort of skipping around in chapter 35 of Isaiah. The prophet writes this, wilderness and desert will sing joyously, the badlands will celebrate and flower, like the crocus in spring bursting into blossom, a symphony of song and color. God's resplendent glory fully on display. God awesome, God majestic. Energize the limp hands, strengthen the rubbery knees, tell the fearful souls, courage, take heart. God is here, right here, on his way to put things to right, to redress all wrongs. He's on his way. He'll save you. Blind eyes will be opened, deaf ears unstopped. Lame men and women will leap like deer. The voiceless will break into song. Springs of water will burst out in the wilderness. Streams will flow in the desert. There will be a highway called the Holy Road. No one rude or rebellious is permitted on this road. Not even fools can get lost on it. The people God has ransomed will come back on this road and they'll sing as they make their way home to Zion. Unfading halos of joy encircling their heads welcomed home with gifts of joy and gladness as all sorrows and sighs scurry into the night. Pray with me. God, this morning as we gather, uh, we do so with everything in the room. Hope, joy, delight, sadness, anxiety, longing. And I'm grateful that by your spirit, you are with us, that you are Emmanuel, and I pray that somehow this morning everything would belong that in your economy you would take all the things that are present in our hearts and that you would point us, draw us, invite us back um, towards you and towards the light, the warmth, the joy uh, that you offer. I pray in the strong name of Christ and all God's people said, Amen. amen. You may be seated. I want to just say real quickly before I even dive in that anytime you talk about things like hope and joy and love and peace, there's always the risk of being... Um, ignorant or naive, that you sort of declare this great thing of love or joy or hope or peace, and yet some people may be in the room thinking, I don't feel love or joy or hope or peace. In fact, I was thinking about this sermon and joy, and honestly, if I'm being, if I, if I'm being truthful with you, um, uh, I may be one of the least qualified people to talk about joy in the room. Um, I haven't felt a lot of joy recently. It's been a really hard season and a, and, and a, and a hard year, if I'm being honest. So I didn't feel very qualified to talk about joy, but I feel like whenever we do, um, I don't want to shy away from the fact that joy has come, that joy is real, that there is something to celebrate and there's something to be joyful about. I don't want to, I don't want to sort of cower to say, but I also want to temper or be honest and not naive about the fact that you may be here this morning and you may not feel a lot of joy, and that's okay. I want to just say that whatever you bring it belongs. Somehow, I trust that in God's economy, all of the things that are here, they belong. So whatever you bring, bring it all um, as we think about joy. Uh, this passage from the prophet Isaiah, I mean, what a vision, right? This imagination, this vision for what will be someday, at least from Isaiah's perspective, and from ours, what we can say has happened and will be someday in our future. So this morning, these four questions. What is joy? Let's start there. First and foremost, I think we, it would be helpful to sort of div divide the two roads into, uh, or sort of take two paths here, because oftentimes when people of faith or Christians in specific talk about joy, they say, 
Well, only Christians can experience real joy or true joy, to which I would say I sort of agree, but I sort of disagree also. Um, and I would say it this way. This is why I think it's helpful, right? When we think about joy, we could say, what does joy look like from the human experience? Because any and all humans have experienced joy. But then also, what does joy look like from a biblical perspective? What does the story of the Bible say about joy? So first, as humans, or Merriam-Webster, defines joy this way. The emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Right? It's felicity, it's happiness, it's delight. Um, it sounds a little bit like this, if we could show that video. Uh... Oh, do we have the audio? Yes. Louder, louder. sermon over. <laughs> like, if that didn't do something to you, you don't have a pulse. <laughs> right? That thing that just wells up inside of us, delight and joy. It's this unmistakable delight and wonder. That thing that, e that, that can soften even the hardest of hearts. That moment that takes your breath away. Sometimes we even feel it in our bodies. Joy can be found anywhere, in the youngest to the oldest, for people of faith and atheists, all. Joy is universal, it's human, it happens to all and for all. So what is joy? Well, it's what Merriam-Webster says, this feeling that happens, that when something wells up inside of us because of a number of things, well-being, success, good fortune. But then there's this piece of it that is a little different, this qualitative thing that the scriptures is getting to, this offering that it's beyond that, it's bigger than that. It's this buoyant and resolute hope and belief that in Christ, something definitive has happened and has been spoken to the universe and all of its inhabitants. One author says that joy is based on the permanent and unshakable knowledge that in the big picture, all will be well with my soul. Christian joy, the kind the Bible is speaking of, and the kind the Advent is inviting us into, is rooted in a particular event. We call it the Christ event, the incarnation. In Greek, it's kenosis, the emptying of the Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the, the, the universal who becomes the particular in Jesus of Nazareth. So Christian joy is rooted in the birth and life and death and then resurrection of Jesus and the future that is assured because of that reality. It's, it's, Paul talks about it as a byproduct of the spirit of God at work in our lives, that hope and joy and love and peace, these byproducts, these fruits of the spirit's work in us. So it's this unshakable knowledge in the face of suffering or hardship where we can still say, all will be well and all is well. So what is joy? It's, it's human, it's universal. And, and then there's this piece that's connected to the story of the scriptures and the story of Advent. So what brings you joy? 
Like, what can be said about joy and where it comes from? While joy is simultaneously this giant universal emotion, it is also, like, really personal and particular and specific. For example, um, the feeling of a giant river walleye that just smacks a jig in the middle of the night brings me such great joy, I hardly have words to describe to you what it feels like. But Laura, my wife, that brings her no joy. No joy. Scrabble with a glass of wine and a friend brings my wife great joy. And sometimes a little bit of joy for me because I do it because I know it brings her joy, but it doesn't do anything for me. In fact, I I really don't like Scrabble. I, I lose at it all the time, and I hate losing, so I don't like to play Scrabble, period. That's why I don't play basketball either. I'm not a good basketball player. So I don't like to do things that I don't, I'm not good at. It's true. It doesn't bring me any joy. It's this huge thing that everybody gets and does and feels, but it's really particular. It's really specific. Um, are there any commonalities when it comes to joy? Like, can, can something be said that ties them all together? And so as I thought about this this week, I thought, where does joy come from? I think it comes from at least three places. People, places, and things. So you and I, we're relational beings. We are created from relationship and for relationship. And so it would follow that we have the possibility to experience joy and delight and wonder because of people, relationships. When we're in rightly ordered relationships, whether they be friends or intimate, we experience, we can experience, we have experienced collectively, there's a head, a, a nod, a head nod in the room, right, that we experience joy because of people. I would also say we're not only relational, but we're located. Place matters for us. So when you think about things that bring you joy, it's often connected to a place. I can't tell you how many people have walked into this building and told me, I felt like when I walked into this room, this building, I felt like I was home. Place matters. Ironically enough, people would say that about the joke joint too, long ago, which I still don't understand, but they would say it. Place matters. Think about, for some of you, it's when you're near water or when you're in the mountains, or when you drive out into the country, like you have a physiological response of release and delight. For some of you, it's when you're in the city and you can feel the the pulse of the city in in your body, right? Place matters for us. So not only people, but place bring us joy. And I would also say that things, objects, like think of a home, but think of that home with a fireplace. That thing that you gather around and the crackle of it and the sound of it or think about all the things that bring us joy. Your bike when you go for a long bike ride. Uh, That pair of shoes that just fits you. I decided, because I knew I was going to say that, I wore my favorite pair of shoes this morning. Right? Like they were made for these feet. (laughs) Or that sweater or flannel, like when you put it on, that thing that sort of gathers you in that brings you delight and joy or that sensational meal or a piece of grandma's pie or a peanut butter blossom at Christmas time? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Favorite cookies in the room? Or a perfectly balanced glass of wine with a meal or, or a bourbon-aged barrel or cold spring water or Pamplemousse LaCroix, right? You know what I'm saying, you people. Like, where does joy come from? It's a result of people and places and things. Why am I saying this? Is joy and our capacity to experience it and feel it the buoyant affirmation that this world and all that is in it is good and a gift from the divine to be experienced in properly ordered ways for our enjoyment, delight, and joy? All the things, all the people, all the places, 
Is joy not the buoyant affirmation that these things are declared and experienced as good when rightly ordered? Is joy the confirmation that these things are good? The fact that we can experience them and feel joy, is that not the confirmation that in some way these are given as a gift and they're good and to be celebrated and declared as good? So question for you this morning, as you think about Advent, maybe Advent is an invitation for you. Do you know what brings you joy? And could someone in a religious and spiritual setting say that it is okay, it is good for you to pursue those things and to feel those feels, all of them? So whether it's food or people or places or sex or wine or cookies or thousand thread count cotton sheets or the page of a book in your hand, these things are good. They're God's gift to be experienced by us as humans, as good, as, and, and joy is the confirmation that they are, I would argue. So, what is joy? What gives you joy? Where does joy come from? Like, how does, how does it come to us? And this is where people of faith or Christians often debate, and some Christians would say that true joy only comes for people who are in, of faith. And I would, again, I would say I don't disagree fully, but I do disagree in part. Because joy is both inside of us and it's outside of us. It's something that happens in our bodies, and it's something that's also bigger than that. What do I mean? Joy is a neurological activity that scientists can study. Like, you can, you can study the effect of joy on a body. Um, when a human experiences joy, it's quantifiable, it's measurable, it's uh, in the end because it's happening in our brains and in our bodies. It's synapses and neurotransmitters, it's dopamine and serotonin, it's all these things that we can actually quantify and study. Simply put, it's biological. It's an evolutionary happening in our brains and in our bodies. And it's completely explainable. And it's available every moment of every day, which is why if you've ever seen that sign, choose joy, have you ever seen that one and you've thought to yourself, that's bollocks, malarkey. Nobody, you can do that. You can actually do that. Science would argue that you can choose joy and intend yourself towards that and it will have an effect on you. Some people call this like meditation. The Bible actually talks a lot about meditation, by the way. That's a good thing. But it's something that happens in us, joy. Where does it come from? It's like synapses and neurons, it's serotonin and dopamine, it's all the things that happen inside of us. And yet, even scientists and many theologians, but some scientists would argue, there's something else. There's something other that happens, that comes to us and happens to us and in us. This something other infuses or enters our reality on a daily basis and it feels like something alien is happening to us, like some foreign force or object or thing out there is happening to us, and many people call this God. I would argue that this is in part why so many people say I'm spiritual but not religious because you cannot deny the fact that this happens in our experience as humans. That something outside of us, something mysterious, something other finds us, invites us, these moments that well up inside of us that you cannot explain. And I would submit that Advent is the story of this God who comes to us full of grace and joy and enters this story and this experience and offers hope and joy and a future. 
Which brings us to the last question of why do we need it? Like, do we need joy? Or is this just something that the church does because the church has always done it? Which wouldn't be a shock, right? That the church would do something because it's always done it. Whether you're a person of faith or not, I would argue that we desperately need joy in our lives. Our brains, I don't know if you know this or not, but our brains are hardwired to hold on to negative and traumatic experiences that we, that we live. The reason for this is that because our survival is predicated on our ability to remember trauma and things that we're afraid of. Because if we didn't, we would just keep doing it and we would die. Right? This is like Darwin at its best. I don't, if, even if you disagree with evolution as a premise, um, I don't think you should <laughs> because science would say that this is really true. Our survival as humans is predicated on the reality that our brain is hardwired to remember tra- trauma and fear so that we can survive. What am I saying? I, spent, I had the unique honor and uh, privilege to spend a weekend with Richard Rohr, Father Rohr. And if you know him and read anything about him, uh, love lots of things he's doing and talking about. But one of the things he talked about was this idea that... For a human, our brain is like Velcro when it comes to negativity and trauma and fear. So honest to God, when you experience fear or something traumatic, your brain literally is hardwired for those things to stick, like Velcro. Whereas when you experience beauty, wonder, delight, joy, our brains are more like Teflon, And scientists will say that in order for joy and delight and wonder and beauty to have an affect on our person, we have to actually meditate on it. We have to hold it, savor it, keep it in our gaze for up to 15 seconds or more for it to actually stick. So do we need stories like Advent? Do we need joy? I would argue that we desperately need joy because in a world with a million threats every day for our personal and collective thriving and wholeness, Advent is a story that comes every year and says, don't forget, joy has come and joy will come again. We desperately need, whether you're a person of faith or not, we desperately need as humans Stories like Advent that come and say, joy is possible, joy is true, joy is real, and it is for you and available to you right here and right now. And so if joy came 2,000 years ago in this Christ event, joy comes again today as we retell this story of this person who came and will come again. Whereas the prophet says, the wilderness and the desert will sing joyously, the badlands will celebrate and flower, where the crocus in spring will burst in blossom and symphony of song and color, where God's resplendent glory will be on full display, awesome and majestic, where fearful, where we will tell fearful souls, courage, take heart. God has come. Come here to put things right, where we will sing as we make our way home. I love this. I think this is Beyonce's um, inspiration. Unfailing halos of joy (laughs) encircling our heads. What if Advent is the invitation to remember that joy has come and will come 
and is available to you here and now to fix your eyes and your gaze on this symbol of joy which is lit to remind us as we tell this story to remind us so that we don't forget that amidst all the things you experience on a day-to-day basis and whatever you've come from, whatever stories of pain and anxiety and fear and trauma that are in this room that we just say for a moment, we're gonna fix our eyes on joy. We're gonna remember joy. And we're gonna meditate on it. We're gonna hold its gaze so that it has a chance to affect our lives. So would you this morning consider this advent, the arrival again of joy for you right here, right now? Pray with me if you would. God, as we take just a few moments to be still and to be quiet, we do so because we trust, we believe that you often have more to say than the preacher intends. And so just in the next few moments of quiet, we turn our hearts and our minds, the ears of our soul and the eyes of our spirit to you and to the degree that we can. And so would you come and find us where we are and remind us of joy that it would well up inside of us. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.